Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. How sweet it is to be loved by you. Guests appear on the Smile Center Hotline, live from the Service Master by Cornerstone Studios, with Jeff Calkins on today's show, presented by Red River Toyota in Wynn, Arkansas, online at redrivertoyota.com. We're back with the Gabe Kuhn Show on 92.9 FM ESPN. needed someone to understand my ups and downs. There you were. Jeff Calkins is columnist of the Daily Memphian, also host of the Jeff Calkins Show, 9 to 11, right here on 92.9 FM ESPN. He is on X at Jeff underscore Calkins. Jeff, can we start with a little bit of positive news? Can we, can we go ahead and Which do that? Positive, what, what positive news are you interested in? Which Simmons, Simmons Bank Liberty Stadium, it's official. It's, it's, it's finally in the hands of the University of Memphis. As of what, about 20 minutes ago? I saw the uh, University of Memphis Athletic uh, Department. Uh, put it out on X about 11 minutes ago. So that, that, let's start yeah. there. Let's start there. How about that? I was, I was well, two things about that. I, in fact, I'm just now driving back from city council meeting. Oh, I was there for something else. But it was, there was really nothing happened. I hate to say I told you so, but uh, you know me. But I believe when this first happened, uh, I told you it would sail through. And then Sam Hardin this morning released the news that uh, – that the uh, Southern Heritage Classic had released the dates. He broke the news. The Southern Heritage Classic had released the dates for uh, eight more Southern Heritage Classics. And the only point of disagreement that was out there still was whether Fred Jones was going to be happy with the deal. That's really why they even held it. And so once you knew Fred was happy, any lingering question um, was uh, solved. So, yes, it is formal, official. And uh, the minutes were not uh, pulled, and so therefore it went through. And uh, any of you who once were alarmed, despite my urgings to not be alarmed, over the potential uh, of the transfer of the Liverpool, uh, I'm glad it is now in the hands of the University of Memphis. And I'm really interested at this point in, like, what happens next. So, okay, it's gone through. Um you know, they've got to raise the match $50 million in matching funds. When is, um, you know, what, what's what's going to happen about when construction begins? Um, how are they going to raise that $50 million? What's it going to look like? How are things going to be different now that the University of Memphis is in charge? I think, there's a, I think it's very promising. Um, I'm in favor of the entire transaction. Great for Fred Smith. Great for the university. Um and uh, uh, you know that, that that this is happening, 
and but I'm still quite intrigued about about what will happen next. Yeah, I, I will say this, and this is sort of my overarching thought on it finally transferring over. Uh, I am glad that it is in the hands of the University of Memphis because at this point you just have nobody to blame but yourself if anything goes wrong, right? You, 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 can't, you can't point the finger, and I think that that is an overwhelming positive. Um, some people may view it differently. I think that's a positive um, that the University of Memphis has to take it upon themselves to take care of the thing instead oh, of passing been. the blame. It, it, one of the generally um, – you know, what, what, one of the ways to make sure something doesn't get done is to have um, is to have split responsibility for it. No, I thought you were going to do it. No, I thought you were yep. going to do it. Yeah, you had that. No, I. Had, and when it is uh, owned by the university, run by the university, the university stadium, uh, they're the main tenant. All of that. Um, if something is screwed up, it is. Because the university screwed it up. If something's beautiful and works beautifully, it's yes. because the university, uh, uh, you know, managed to make it work beautifully. And so, now I don't know that there's going to be at this point dramatic changes. Like my understanding is, um, the city subcontracted who the you know manages that stadium, and um, and the same group is going to be operating it at least initially uh, under the University of Memphis. So I'm not saying there's going to be some massive changes. Um, and how it all unfolds immediately. But I think the point that you're making is exactly right, that um, that you never wanted... I mean, there were, there were times when there was literally... Back in the day, there were big disputes between the city and, uh, and Memphis about the Liberty Bowl. Like, I remember at one point Memphis wanted to paint, you know, some big tiger on the field and right. the city wouldn't let him because, you know... They, who was going to, you know, change the paint? I, it was ridiculous. And so now that it's all controlled by one entity, I, I think the cooperation has been there much better than that of late anyway. But now that it is owned by one entity, that's a good thing. And it also means that we can get the, um, you know, you can start to get the renovations underway. And I still hear from people who say, why exactly do we putting money into this instead of a new stadium and whatever else? And I hear that. But in the end... I do believe that it will be a drum when they are done with this. I don't know that they'll raise all the money that they're planning to, run, run, to raise. We'll see. But I do believe that when they are done with this, it will be a dramatically better facility, a dramatically better fan experience. And so that's all good. Yep. Now, enough positivity. I was watching the uh, college football playoff national championship last night. We got to about halftime, and I just. Yep. Uh, I, I I did not like what what came across on my uh, notifications well, you know, on I X. Think was, I think it was third quarter, right? Uh, right something like that. Maybe the start of the third down. quarter. Yeah, something like that. But I just wanted to watch it in peace. But I couldn't do that oh, because no. here comes Woj with a bomb. Uh, John Morant suffered a subluxation of his right shoulder on Saturday, and after ongoing soreness and instability, he had an MRI revealed a labral tear. He's going to be out for the year. He has to get surgery. Um, I, we, I already thought I've been in the lost season category for quite a while with the Grizzlies, although the six wins, six and three with John Morant definitely led me to believe at least a little bit differently, think a little bit differently. Um, but this is a completely lost season. This team is lottery bound. I, I don't see it any other way. No, I, I agree with that. It's, it's, it's funny because I didn't believe that they were going to make it to the plan, partly because I didn't, you know, there was no guarantee that Ja was going to 
be healthy. Every guy I didn't expect this, but you know, you just so I didn't believe they were going to make it into the play-in necessarily. I thought there was an outside shot uh, given the way they'd been playing, but um, but I did still think. I mean, there's two different kinds of lost season. There's a lost season of you're not going to make the playoffs, and then there's if you didn't make the playoffs, but you still could watch John Moran every night. <laughs> that's fun. Yes. You know yeah. what I mean? Like right. that's fun. And this, I don't mean this as any disrespect to the the group of remaining players, <laughs> but it's just a different feel when Josh suits up and plays. And so now it's yes, I think as a competitive enterprise, the idea of getting into the play-in is uh, is gone. <laughs> and then just walk, you know, I'll tell you this: if you're a season ticket holder who occasionally sells season tickets, individual tickets, games that you can't go to, those tickets have been dramatically devalued. Yes. Like the experience of watching that team play, <laughs> even if they weren't going to make the playoffs, has been trained, has been changed dramatically because just look at the nine games. Look at all, as Chris Harrington said in his comment over the day, look at all the fun that job packed into those nine games. It was incredible. And, um, and so it's devastating. I, I'm, I, you know, I, I just, you just sense this gloom that settled over the city last night. And everywhere I go today, it's again the thing that people are talking about. You just, and and you fed with Jaw. Like I just feel bad for Jaw. Yep. You know, there's no question. The first, you can argue whether the first disciplinary action of 25 games was was too severe or not. But he'd already sat out that length of time, and then to come back. And it's just so clear that what Jaw loves to do more than anything else is play basketball. And for him to be sidelined again, it's devastating for Jaw. It's devastating for the team. It's devastating for um, fans. It's absolutely a uh, a punch to the solar plexus, no question. Yeah, now the tank word has uh, come up a lot. And I think there's two separate types of tank. There's a purposeful tank and there's a natural tank. Um, I sort of put this this the rest of the season in that natural tank category. Is that... Do you think that is that is correct, or do you think this Grizzlies front office is going to uh, sort of distribute minutes, maybe some shameless Jake Laravia minutes, G.G. Jackson looking at it? I mean, I, I, I think that Desmond Bain, Jaron Jackson Jr., Marcus Smart are just natural competitors, and they're going to try to be as competitive as possible night to night. Uh, that's sort of why I put it in that natural tank category. Um, but, but how do you view that? How, how, do, how do you view the rest of this season without John Moran on the floor? Yeah, I think um, a couple things. I, I, I don't think anyone ever believed that the players are trying to lose in any circumstance. Right. Like, you know, maybe if they're trying to get their coach fired or something. But when people talk about tanking, they don't ever mean, and the players are tanking. What they mean is is that minutes are being managed and, uh, and the team is being coached or run. Um, so that they'd lose more games, or, you know, lose 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 more games than they otherwise would, and so, um, and so they're, they're not going to do that at least for now. They're just not. Like, there's a couple of reasons they're not going to do that. Like, yes, they will lose games because they lost Jaw. That's not even natural tanking. That's just they have a reduced roster, and so they're not going to make the play-in, and that's because they don't have Jaw. But that's not tanking. Tanking is. If you decide to do things intentionally in order to lose games. And the reason they won't do that is a couple of reasons. One is if you look at the standings, like right now they're six from the bottom, right? Yep. Four of those teams that are below them 
they could tank all they wanted. They're not catching them. Like they, they, they're they're not catching Detroit. They're not catching uh, San Antonio. Right. They're not catching Washington, and they're not catching Charlotte. They're just not the best. They if, even if they intentionally tank, they might be able to get so that they have the fifth best lottery odds because they're only a couple games better than Portland. But basically, they're sort of are where they're going to be. Like in terms of the in terms of the standings. I don't even... And secondly, the, the draft stinks. And so it's yeah. not like a year that this draft does. It's not a year that incentivizes the tank. But so what they will do, I think, and what they should do is 100% be focused on next year. That's all that matters at this point is next year. And so what that means is you do whatever you can to figure out, um, you know, who from this group are worth carrying into next year. Now, may, does that mean giving some minutes along the way, one last gasp to Jake Larabian? I think so, probably. Yep. Uh, does that mean um, maybe playing Jaron and Dez, you know, over the course of the rest of the season, not as heavy minutes as you would necessarily otherwise? Maybe, yeah, I could even see that. Um, so I think, but they're going to try to, they're going to try to be competitive. They're going to try to win games. They're going to try to, see who's good and who it fits with who and, and, you know, try to try to determine what they really think of Marcus Smart and what they really think of Luke Kennard. And, and, uh, you know, ultimately they may, you know, if someone wants Xavier Tillman at the trade deadline, right. he's going to be an unrestricted free agent. They might, if, if someone wants to toss you a second for Xavier Tillman, they might do that. Whereas they wouldn't, might not have had they been in a race for the plan or something, I suppose, but they're not going to go out and aggressively, manage the roster to lose games. They're going to lose games because they're going to lose games. And and then they will, I think, just sort of run the whole rest of the season as if they are geared towards looking at next year. And ultimately, will that give G.P. Jackson some minutes? Sure. But I think at the end of the year, probably, you're not going to start seeing them playing 35 minutes a night to, you know, starting now because they're trying to tank. So I find the whole tank conversation, like everyone immediately, that word just popped up everywhere yeah, last course. night. But I just think it kind of doesn't fit, like, in terms of what's ha- what's going to happen here. This is not they're really bad, they want to be worse because there's a Victor Wembenyama in the draft. And none of right. those things are true. They're going to they're gonna do the best they can to figure out who would be useful going forward, and um, and that's what they should do. Now, I think there's two things that will happen um, for the rest of the year. Outside of that, I don't know if there's wrong answers. We'll get to that in a second. But I think a consolidation trade and then converting Vince Williams Jr.'s contract, those are, I am pretty damn positive. I am confident that they will do those two things. Outside of that, is there really wrong answers of who you run out there every night, of, of, of sort of what you do in consolidating the roster? Like, is there a whole bunch of wrong answers the rest of this year? Well, I mean, in terms of, uh, and we were talking about this with Chris Harrington, in terms of, like, if you're evaluating Taylor Jenkins, um, right. I don't think there's going to be that kind of scrutiny on his rotation. Like, if you're trying Pressure to win every seems game off of Taylor and, Jenkins. And, getting, and get into the play-in, you're scrutinizing the rotations every night, right? Like, <laughs> in the interest of how did he do this in the, you know, in the service of winning and did he, you know, and that has sort of gone away. I, I, I think like, so from that perspective, there's not as many wrong answers, 
I mean, there are right and wrong answers about who you keep and who you don't keep, and what you know whether you choose to deal someone or not deal someone. I, I, I agree with you completely. At some point, they will when they create a roster spot, and they will, um, you know, and they'll sign Vince Williams so he's no longer on the two-way. That will happen. I'm completely convinced during the course of this year. In terms of a consolidation trade, I, I, I don't. They might try to do it. In the end, I don't know what they have that people want. You know, so so I don't, I don't know what that what that would look like. You do sort of think that it would be good if they could sort through the wings a little bit. Um, David Roddy, Jake Laravia, Zaire. So sure, if you could decide and move on from some of them, you you might. But I don't really know anyone who's interested in any of those. John Conchar, same thing. So um, I I would expect that they're going to convert Vince Williams. Um, from the two-way, and I would expect, honestly, if after the trade deadline, if there is no interest in in Biombo or uh, or Tillman at the trade deadline, they could move on from them too, yeah. you know, and from Biombo too. Honestly, that would be another way. But I don't actually expect much dramatic to happen in terms of player transactions this year, um, you know. I guess you like. Could they move on from Marcus Smart? I don't see it. Like I just don't see it. Like they they spent two firsts and Tyus Jones to get him, and so I think they'll they, they want to see what 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 he can bring and how he fits with this group. But I don't think they're going to move on from him. Luke Kennard, maybe, possibly. I, you know, if someone is really interested in him at the deadline, I could maybe imagine that. But do you really take from uh, shooting away from a team that already can't shoot? So. I actually think it'll be pretty quiet just because they don't have great pieces to sell off that people are going to want at the deadline. So I don't expect much in the way of player transactions, certainly I, significant ones, during the during the regular season, maybe this summer. I'll, I'll say this. I, I expect some movement as far as player transactions. I don't expect return. <laughs> Let me put it that way. Like Jake LaRavia and John Conchar and all these guys that they're sort of uh, putting out and, and using as, as feelers for other teams, I expect maybe those guys will get moved, but I don't expect anything of, of value to come back and return. Second-round pick, something like that, cash considerations, that's sort of what it feels like we're headed toward, right? I just don't know. Like, Would anyone be interested in taking on John Conchar's contract? I would be surprised. Um, so, so. If they can move off some of those guys, uh, more power to them. That yep. would be great. Yep. Um, I don't know if they'll. I don't know that they will be able to. Yep. Now uh, Michigan won the Natty last night, thirty-four thirteen. And what strikes me, Jeff, is we've talked about spread concepts and taking the top off the defense and explosive plays and elite quarterback play. Michigan truly won fifteen straight games and won a national title behind. The best O line in the game country. You must have loved. Game oh, you must oh, have loved. oh, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. Behind five great offensive linemen, two great backs. They ran inside zone. They ran power. They played good defense. They tackled in the open field, and it just sort of proved to me, especially what we're seeing. You know, even in the NFL, the number one seeds right now, and the Ravens and the Forty ers are uh, both one and two in run play percentage. Right. That 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 warms my heart. But it, it was. As simple a game plan to go win a national title as we've seen in a long, long time. Yeah, no, I mean it was funny because I mean we talked about the the two the two things that could happen um, last night. One is Michigan could come out and just run all over them and beat them up at the line of scrimmage. 
two, Washington could come out and uh, and 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 throw and score at a rate that Michigan couldn't could not keep up with. I in the end said I thought the the first would happen, not the second. I mean that is exactly exactly what happened. It was really devastating to watch. Um, I, I was interested in so in terms of that offensive line and what you saw from them. Like, well, from your perspective, given that you played that position, what what was what made him so damn great? They just, hats on hats. Like the first two, uh, uh, the first two, there was the 46, 41 yard run by Donovan Edwards, then the forty six yard run by Donovan Edwards. Right. Did you notice that he got stopped up in the original hole? Both once. Yes, yes. absolutely. But yeah. they just had guys that were finishing blocks and had hat on hats, and they were running these duo schemes, which if, if you don't know, it's just an isolation scheme where it's all you're doing is getting... Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk ex expiration date detectives they bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are so let instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date download the instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last minimum ten dollar per order additional term supply we get it attention spans just aren't what they used to be heads in social media and eyes on netflix but what do people do with their ears Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Hats on hats. It it was such a simple football. It's, they didn't. They didn't reinvent the wheel. They did nothing. JJ McCarthy threw ten passes. They just basically said, Washington, if you're going to complete these these balls downfield, Michael Penix is going to have to be as accurate as he was uh, against Texas, and we're going to run it right at you, and we're going to win the time of possession battle. We're going to play old school football. Like it. It, it was just. It just strikes now, now, me because the the not overcomplicated football is winning. In the NFL and college football this year, yeah, I, I, I am. It's very clearly is how Michigan won. I'm a little reluctant to say it is the best path to winning. Um, a, well, I think football to cyclical you too. You have to build. You have to build offensive and defensive lines that are that dominant. Right? Yes. A, which, which is not that easy to do, and B, like, would it have made a difference if the opponent? You know, had been Joe Burrow's LSU team. You know what I mean? Like, right. like th- th- then could you have just, you know, or or would that team have lit you up, right? <laughs> I mean, I think the other truth of the matter is that not only does, does Michigan have, have, you know, a great defensive front, they've got great corners. You know, I mean, they're, 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 the Michigan defense is absolutely lethal. And I do, by the way, I, I was listening to you earlier just before the break, is there anyone who's still? I mean, I, I don't mean talking about the cheating scandal, the the film stuff. People are clearly talking about that <clears throat> as part of the saga of the Michigan season. After the way you saw Michigan beat up Alabama and then beat up Washington, I find it hard to believe that anyone can credibly be talking about 
the the cheating stuff as some reason that Michigan did what it did. They're just they're physically dominant. They we just saw it. They didn't outsmart Alabama. No. They beat up Alabama. They didn't out you know, they didn't because they didn't know Alabama's plays. It's because they they uh it's because they beat the hell out of Alabama. So I, I just think that they the way they won these last two games, I would hope would go a long way towards making even the last few holdouts give up and say, Okay yeah, it has it Connor Stallions. Maybe it was that offensive line, you know? Yeah, and, and, and listen, they beat Penn State, Ohio State, Washington. Well, yeah, I, I would throw Iowa in if I thought they were any good anyway. But uh, Washington and uh, Alabama, they beat them all after being yeah, busted after completely. And then here's the other thing that I get, and I, you get the sentiment, and I know you probably heard it, you get the sentiment of like, Oh, well, they, they, you know, how good is it for the overall health of college football that the cheaters won? Cheaters have always won. I, I hate to, I hate I to break it to folks. It matters. I, I, I hate to break it to guys. It's yeah. just, but, that, but let's be honest. In the 21st, at, the Edo Title IX stuff with the 2019 LSU team, Urban Meyer, you just keep going back and you talk about pre NIL and recruiting tactics. Like, I, cheaters have always won in college football, and this is not a new thing. It's not a new thing. There might be, like, I kind of, I rooted against the Astros because they were cheaters, right? right? Like, I, like, and I I just never really took this thing seriously. And neither you know? did like, I. And I don't think any, I, anyone who has, I just think, is emphasizing the drama of it or has some animus towards Michigan and Harbaugh or something. I just don't think it's that big a deal. I've never thought it was that big a deal. And then to just see the way they... They beat up everybody. To me, just puts an end to the conversation completely. You can't seriously be bringing up uh, the film, st- you know, the, the the cheating now, given what we just witnessed. If so, you just lose all credibility. The, the last night and the semifinal game, they had nothing to do with cheating. Period. Nothing to do with it. The idea that this championship is somehow tainted. If you, if that's Asterisk. what you think. It only just shows how, yeah, how, how, how lost you are on the topic. You've just, you, you made up your mind a long time ago to just, uh, to hate Michigan for this. And, um, and you're sticking to it despite what their, your eyeballs should have told you last night. The, yeah. the Michigan won because they're the most physical dominant team. One of the most physical dominant teams we've seen in a long time. I guess if I was to argue now, who do you think the best four teams are in college football? I thought it was Ohio State, Michigan, Alabama, Georgia. and Georgia. Those are the I best four teams. I but I think the, I, I do truly believe this was, I think, the best team won the national championship. Uh, yeah, I do too. I, I, weirdly enough, if you're an Ohio State fan, I know it must ping you to have Michigan win the national championship, but I do think some comfort in the fact that Harbaugh may be leaving or whatever oh, else. And, but it, everything it honestly, else. To me, if you're an Ohio State fan, it yes, it would pain me to watch Michigan win the national championship. But it would also make me realize that, like, it wasn't some horrible failing of Ohio State that they, you know, that they lost to Michigan. Like, everyone is losing to Michigan. Um, you know, Alabama is losing to Michigan. Washington is, let's be honest, in terms of actually on the field getting blown out by Michigan – it's not some embarrassment to lose to this particular yeah. year of this Michigan team. It's just not. Well, don't try to rationalize with Ohio State fans. That's where that's right. where the mistake yeah. comes in. 
I mean, right. <laughs> you just yeah. cannot do that. Ryan Day is on the chopping block, according to them. So there is that. Now, it, it, I mean, the staying power of Michigan is very concerning, though, if you're a Michigan fan. I mean, yeah, you won this and you feel good about it, but now you have recruiting, sign-stealing issues, and NCAA investigations you have to deal with. You probably are going to have to deal with a new coach if Jim Harbaugh goes and uh, goes to the Chargers or the Commanders. Like, this is this is one of those national championship uh, championships outside. Like, Georgia, you knew that they would probably be back. They could be back after 2021, and ultimately they won it. Michigan, I don't know if I, I do not feel the same about where they're headed. And J.J. McCarthy potentially off the NFL, Blake Corum no longer, a lot of those O-linemen no longer, a lot of guys on the defensive side no longer. Um, it's hard to reload the way Georgia did the past two years. Uh, I, I agree with all of that, except for the whole, I don't think Michigan fans are that concerned about that today. Oh, <laughs> no, no. Oh, like, 100%. Like, I agree, end, yes. You're just, like, you would be, to me, if you're a Michigan, you knew. You this celebrate a, this uh, until the spring. That's what you do. You knew this would be an all. And you have this forever. Like, you have this forever. The real tragedy, from Michigan perspective, would have been you go all in, people think you're a cheater, whatever else, and then you come up short. When you win like this, it, let's be honest, it's not Michigan versus everybody, but you can pretend it is. And you can pretend you're giving the whole world the double bird. You can celebrate. And... And and even if Harbaugh leaves, you'll know that Ohio State, you know, couldn't beat him and whatever else. And you will, I guess, I guess I'm talking from the perspective of someone whose team has never won at all. So the idea of a cha- any championship would keep me warm, I think, for a long time, even if they were to fall off next year. But yes, I do agree with you. Um, I don't, you know, I- I'll be stunned. I guess I won't be stunned if Michigan is in the 12-team playoff, although even then I might be a little surprised. Um, I would certainly be stunned if they were back in the national championship game next yeah, year. For sure. Well, Jeff, I appreciate it. Thanks for joining. Sure thing, Gabe. See you. Yes, sir. That's Jeff Calkins at Jeff underscore Calkins on X, columnist of the Daily Memphian and host of the Jeff Calkins Show 9 to 11 right here on 92.9 FM ESPN. Now it's time to take a trip around the National Football League. That is going to be next right here. Stick around. The Jeff appear on the Smile Center Hotline. Now back to the Gabe Coon Show, live from the Service Master by Cornerstone Studios on 92.9 FM ESPN. It's time for a trip around the National Football League, which, of course, is brought to you every day, every day by Longshot. The Tennessee Titans. All right, so Mike Vrabel has been fired today after... Um, you know, what I, I consider in six years a relatively successful tenure as the Titans head coach. We'll talk about what we think about it and in the reasons it happened as we get to the Blitz a little bit later. But according to betonline.ag, we have some coaching candidates out here and we have some odds. The top five, Bobby Slowick, Jim Harbaugh, Ben Johnson, Bill Belichick, yuck, and then Mike McDonald. Mike McDonald is the favorite at plus 300. Of course, he is the defensive coordinator for the Ravens, and I think that would be a decent hire considering what they've done on the defensive side of the ball. Mike Vrabel was very defense first. He was run heavy. I think Mike McDonald brings that same edge, but maybe he can get along with the front office a little bit more, and he's done a hell of a job with the Ravens, so pay attention to that. Ben Johnson would be a fun one. The OC for the Lions, he's plus 600 to go get that job. 
And if you have a young quarterback in Will Levis that you want to get developed, if you have a guy in uh, Ben Johnson, he's the guy who could potentially get that done. He's done an unbelievable job with Jared Goff in that offense. Um, they, they're going to have to find a run game. They're going to have to see what Ty J. Spears could potentially bring with Derrick Henry out the door. But I really think that Ben Johnson would be a good hire. I don't think Jim Harbaugh will take the job. In, in Nashville for you Titans fans, I just don't think that's going to happen. It doesn't really make sense fit-wise and everything else. And here's my here's my dark horse, and it's the fifth as far as highest odds to get that job. Bobby Slowick, plus 700. He is the Texans' offensive coordinator. Did you see what he did with a young quarterback in C.J. Stroud? With a lot of arm talent, tremendous arm talent. I think that Bobby Slowick is a up-and-comer. And I really think that he could he could get the Titans going. But the decision becomes, for Amy Adams Strunk and that front office, what do you want? Do you want to lean defense like you did with Mike Vrabel? Do you want to lean offense? Do you want to switch this whole thing around? So we'll see what they do, and we'll talk about it a little bit later, the reasons for Mike Vrabel's departure and why he's no longer in Nashville. The Washington Commanders. Ugh, Ron Rivera. Yuck. He's out. Um, fired in Washington after 26-40-1. And here's what I really want to get to on Ron Rivera. Can we admit now that Cam Newton lifted up his entire head coaching career? Can we admit that? I think it's fair. He's a great defensive coordinator. He's he's, he's good on that side of the ball, and I, I respect him as a, as a NFL head coach. But he was always average. We don't have to make, you know, we don't have to have any delusions here about who Ron Rivera was as a coach. After that, uh, after his his time with Carolina Panthers, which ended badly once Cam Newton got hurt, he gets over to Washington in 26-40-1. and <sighs> Now they're going to have to find a head coach, and I think it will be actually a, a relatively easy job to go uh, take if you're an NFL head coaching candidate. They have $86 million worth of cap space heading into 2024. I don't know if you're going to sit with Sam Howell, but at least you have a placeholder at quarterback. You need to make him uh, turn the ball over a little bit less, but you have a placeholder. Did you know he ended the year 20 TDs, 19 interceptions? Good God. But um, I, I think that Washington, especially with the ridding the evil of the old ownership group, uh, Bob Myers was brought in to be part of the front office, the, the old Warriors um, Warriors GM, president of basketball ops. He's going to come in to help find a new coach. I think that this is actually a tr- an attractive job, and I think you should also look for, for Jim Harbaugh to potentially take this one. But Ron Rivera is out, and I, I think that that is the correct decision for the commanders moving forward. The Los Angeles Chargers. Okay, this is gross. This is really gross. Did you know that the Los Angeles Chargers have gotten rid of Brandon Staley? We get that. They conducted an interview, though, today. That interview was with their OC, Kellen Moore. Are we serious right now? The failures in in, in, in Cowboy Land, the fel- failures in Dallas, the failures this year, I know that Justin Herbert got hurt, but they were no good before Justin Herbert got hurt. Offensively, they were no good at all. And you're going to try to make an in-house hire or interview this guy? Maybe it's just uh, they're going to hire him to save face and feel good about themselves and keep that and not burn that bridge and feel good about themselves, whatever. But that should not be an NFL head coaching interview. Kellen Moore is not built to be an NFL head coach at this point. And if the Chargers make that hire, it wouldn't surprise me because the Chargers are going to Charger every step of the way, even if Jim Harbaugh could potentially take that job in L.A. and then ultimately retire a Charger later on in, the, later on in his life. But I, Kellen Moore getting an interview is disgusting. It's despicable. 
And it just, it does fall in line with the Chargers, though, and how they've operated uh, historically. The Miami Dolphins. All right, so there's a few things to get to on the Dolphins here. Dolphins have uh, signed a bunch of uh, free agents, notably um, going into the playoffs. They need some edge rushing help with Jalen Phillips out for the year and all those things happening around them. They brought in Bruce Irvin on their practice squad, and they brought in Justin Houston, who's a really good edge rusher. But they're both old, and they're heading into a situation that's just not that good for them. Um, they're going to have to go on the road. This is this is nasty. Have you seen the seen what's going on in Kansas City, where they're going to have to travel this weekend? Have you seen what's going on, Connor? Blizzard-like conditions and a low of negative nine for a Miami football team. That does not bode well for how they're going to look as they head into Kansas City to try to take down Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, and the Kansas City Chiefs. But um, also, uh, if you you need more reasons as to why you should not buy into the Dolphins, I saw this stat yesterday on the Dolphins. The Dolphins ended the regular season 1-5 with a minus 91-point differential against playoff teams. One in five with a minus 91 point differential against playoff teams. They were 30th out of 32nd in those categories. Only the Giants and the Commanders had a worst point differential against playoff teams. So I am not a buyer of the Dolphins in the slightest. They're trying to recruit old help <laughs> defensive end and edge rushing. They're going into a, a, a negative nine blizzard-like condition uh, for the Chiefs uh, in Kansas City, and they've been awful against playoff teams. So that's sort of me calling my shot. Do not bet the Dolphins coming up this weekend. But if you want to bet, as good as the regular season is, there's nothing like NFL Super Wild Card Weekend. Six games in three days. For these teams, it's win or go home. But you'll always have a spot in the playoffs with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. FanDuel has so many ways for you to pick up a W. New customers can get started with $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Visit FanDuel.com slash Gabe K. That's my promo code, G-A-B-E-K, to join today. Again, FanDuel.com slash G-A-B-E-K. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sportsbook partner of the NFL and 92.9 ESPN. You must be 21 plus and present in Tennessee. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. And if you have a gambling problem, it's very simple. Call the Tennessee Red Line at 1-800-889-9789. Now, Aaron Rodgers, Pat McAfee, ESPN, drama. That's what we're going to talk about next in Small Talk. Here on 92.9, we talk ball every weekday from 4 till 7 p.m. Except right now, it's time for Big Man Small Talk on 92.9's Gabe Kuhn Show. And Small Talk is always brought to you by Conway Services, reputable service available seven days a week. Now, um, first, I have to start before we get into this nonsense drama with Aaron Rodgers and Jimmy Kimmel and ESPN executives and Pat McAfee. The uh, NCAA video game announcement didn't happen. So I think we need to find whoever started that rumor and lock them up. That is my, that is my rational, um, completely, uh, found, uh, completely founded. I mean, they, they should be locked up, right, Connor? Like, we're there. Crimes against humanity. Yes, yes, you can't do that to us. You can't do it. That is, that is dead wrong. 
Now, I will say it usually releases sometime in July. That's historical precedent, so probably sometime in July. But they lied to us, and I am very disappointed about it. And it came from some reputable sources out there, and uh, it doesn't make me any less disappointed. Now, Aaron Rodgers, Pat McAfee, Jimmy Kimmel, ESPN executives, this is ridiculous. Now, we know where this started. Aaron Rodgers um, basically made mention of Jimmy Kimmel not wanting the Epstein list to come out. Um, therefore, people took that as Jimmy Kimmel may be on the Epstein list and therefore is a pedophile. Now, that's where this whole thing started. Now, Jimmy Kimmel has not said uh, that he's going to actually press charges or do anything to Aaron Rodgers, but Aaron Rodgers has said um, that he was going to make his thoughts known today. Now, he goes on the Pat McAfee show today, and basically what he said is this is the game plan of media, and it wasn't. there's was no apology. By the way, this is the game plan of media. This is what they do. They try and cancel. It's not just me. It's nowhere near just me. You look at all the different people who have been censored from the Internet, especially during COVID, the canceling that went on, the censorship, using the government to try to censor people. And if it doesn't work, they go to name calling. Um, I can't understand how you cannot just say sorry and say I was wrong in the moment. You were wrong in the moment. You should have never done that. It's embarrassing. It's not just S talking, Pat McAfee. It is literally putting someone's life in danger. That's what you did to Jimmy Kimmel. Now, Jimmy Kimmel, I think, came out and said one of the most, uh, is relatively, it's not profound, but it's very true on this entire situation. Aaron Rodgers, and he said it last night on his, on his late show, Aaron Rodgers literally thinks he's smarter than everyone because he can throw a football far. It's athlete brain. We mentioned this at the break. You said it's athlete brain, and I agree with you. Just because you do something at a high level, just because you're a celebrity with a, uh, a voice that, you, that, is, that is bigger than most people, it does not mean you're smarter than doctors like he thought he was during COVID. It does not mean you're smarter than the government where you're thinking that Jimmy Kimmel's going to be on this list. It's unbelievable to see... Aaron Rodgers continue to double, triple, quadruple, quintuple down on all of this nonsense. And then he's the guy who I talked about yesterday said that the Jets need to rid themselves of the BS in the locker room. You are the BS in the locker room, Aaron. There just comes a point where just enough is enough, man. Stop talking. Stop it. And I know that he gets the platform every single Tuesday on Pat McAfee's show, but someone's got to nip this in the bud. You can talk about football. You can talk about your life, but stop trying to throw everybody under the bus. And then today, this was also the second call-out on the Pat McAfee show in just a week of ESPN executives. We know that uh, – what's the guy? Norby Williamson, is that his name? That, that uh, um, I believe uh, – uh, yeah, Norby Williamson is the ESPN executive – that Pat McAfee went after last week, and he doubled down on that on his show. And by the way, he is under the ESPN umbrella. Today, Aaron Rodgers came out and went after Mike Foss, who is the senior vice president of production at at ESPN. And uh, he was very angry with the fact that Mike Foss, after the Jimmy Kimmel incident, what, what Mike Foss said was, Aaron made a dumb and factually inaccurate joke about Jimmy Kimmel. It should have never happened. We all realized that in the moment. And Aaron Rodgers said, you're not helping me. How could you say something about uh, something like that about me in the statement I made? I don't know why he's angry about that, but I'll say this. All these ESPN executives that are getting gone after, listen, I know executives sometimes at, at places like that um, can, can rub people the wrong way. But I know when I see self-sabotage. I know what is going on right now with the Pat McAfee show and Aaron Rodgers and all this nonsense. It feels as if Pat McAfee 
realizes that the fit with ESPN is not good, even though they fired a bunch of people, let go of a bunch of people to give him that $100 million contract, whatever it was, he realizes the fit's not good and he's trying to self-sabotage so he can go back to being independent. That's what I see from the outside. Obviously, this is speculation here, but... I don't know what going after ESPN executives does for you besides getting you let go so you can have your freedom again. I don't understand this victim mentality that Aaron Rodgers and Pat McAfee have adopted. Aaron Rodgers goes on every single Tuesday on one of the biggest segments in America on a network under the Disney and ABC umbrella, and he is paid to go do it. And by the way, Jimmy Kimmel is under that same umbrella. He is not being silenced by any means and pat mcafee dude just say it was wrong it's that easy it's that easy a lot of people got fired to make way for you stop acting like that they're coming after you and attacking you they gave you a crazy amount of money to do a sports show Uh, there had to be a chiron on there today that said we do not agree with the opinions on this show this is an espn show it's not CNN. It's not Fox News. It's not MSNBC. This is ridiculous. And I, I don't doubt that there were ESPN executives that disagreed with the decision. I don't doubt that. And there, there may be a coup going on inside there. But to go after them when you have this contract, when most of the people at ESPN wanted it to happen, it just seems weird that you're playing victim. Um, and I'll say this about his show, and I think Jeff Calkins has made mention of this on my show about his show. I know that's a lot. That's a, that's a mouthful. But... I don't know if it's good for network television. I don't know if it's perfect. I think it's better suited on YouTube or better suited on somewhere else. Um, you know, the digital media, online, that type of thing. I think it's better suited for that. Um, because I, the show, ultimately, it's just a lot of voices yelling into the void. Um, and I don't, I'm not acting like I hate Pat McAfee by any stretch of the imagination. You have uh, AJ Hawks stupid face up there saying eight words at a time, eight words during a show. It just it doesn't really it, – it, it's not really for me, and I don't know if it's really for a lot of people out there. And it's being played every day, and it's got this voice, and I understand that, and he's an entertainer, and, and ESPN needed entertainers at this time. But it's just – I don't know if it's a fit. And I think everybody sees it, and Pat McAfee definitely sees it with all of the talk of ESPN executives, him going after them in the public eye – just seems like he's trying to get out of this thing and move forward with his life because he does not want to be a part of ESPN. It's just so silly. Say sorry and move on. It's that It's that simple. But the fact that they're not doing it tells the whole story. It's ridiculous. It tells the whole story. Grow up. Yep. Now we have one hour left in the show. We're going to spend it wisely and we're going to start it. Coming up next, as is customary on a Tuesday with Christian Fowler from Bluff. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.